morning again. It's so great to be with you. If you're still grabbing coffee, feel free. Get your hot, warm drink, and then we'll all settle back together. You have uh, uh, braved the rain to get out and join us, and now we get to experience this wonderful, comfortable, cozy morning together. So I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Uh, Today, in the life of the church, we are rounding out the final few weeks of what is called ordinary time in the liturgical calendar. So we are in this large green section over here on the left, and in a few weeks, the calendar gets much more colorful as we enter Advent and then Epiphany, then Lent and Easter and Pentecost. And so uh, this week and next are sort of this last little bit of quiet right before entering the bustling season of the holidays and celebrations. And so perhaps we might just take uh, a few calming breaths together and relax into this peaceful space we've created here for one another this morning. Uh, These past few months of what is called ordinary time uh, have actually been rather extraordinary for us here at Vox. We recently wrapped up our fall vision series Uh, where we've been reflecting together uh, about non-hierarchy as a way of practicing the wisdom of non-violent love that we see modeled in the story of Jesus. And then next week is our Vox Retreat, as you've been hearing. So that's why there'll be no liturgy here at Vesper next Sunday. And then shortly after that, we enter the season of Advent, where our Advent homilies every year give us a chance to prepare ourselves to receive the story of Jesus' birth and the wisdom of this idea that God entered our human story, divine love entered our human story in the most nonviolent form possible, a, a human baby. <laughs> and so that's where we're headed. And today, our text from Proverbs invites us into a conversation about wisdom itself, perspectives, realizations about life that can become like a compass for us to help us make thoughtful decisions. So we'll be exploring some small pieces of wisdom today, Uh, ideas like this one. (laughs) Those of you who have a loved one with a birthday in December know this already, that if you (laughs) attempt to give one gift instead of two and say this is both for Christmas and your birthday, Violence may erupt. (laughs) Rolling two gifts into one is not wise gift giving. (laughs) Uh, Here's another small token of wisdom. You can't make everyone happy. You are not pizza. (laughs) However, Austinites know that if you bring Via 313 pizza to every holiday gathering, you will make most people happy and you will get invited to everything. Which, if you are introverted, you may hate. In which case, RSVP no, send pizza instead, and then everyone's happy. (laughs) So you're welcome. This is why you came to Vox today, (laughs) these little nuggets. And there's more wisdom to come. So here's a question to help us enter into this conversation. What does the word wisdom mean to you? How would you define it? What words or phrases come to mind when you think about 
what wisdom means. Uh, so I'll invite you to just turn to someone next to you and ask them this question. And I'll give you a moment and then we'll see what patterns may emerge. So go ahead and ask the person next to you, what does wisdom mean to you? Uh, let's hear what emerged uh, when you asked your neighbor this. Just call out a word or a phrase. What did you hear? What came up for you when you thought about this question? What does wisdom mean? Let's crowdsource it. A word or a phrase? Fine wine. Like it, like it, gets, it gets better with age. What else? Intuition. Love it. Okay, so a, different, a difference between knowledge and wisdom, applying the knowledge of the head to uh, the practices of the heart, connecting the two. Wonderful. Um, our text from Proverbs today translates a Hebrew word, chakam, as wisdom. And this word is rooted in the idea of possessing vision, like helping us see something clearly, the root is wide or wise, as in like, it's often pronounced like with a V, like as in advise or supervise. A higher vision that helps us perceive reality closer to the way it really is. So what helps us see reality clearly? How do we come to do that? What practices help us develop our vision over time? These are the big questions we'll be exploring today as we look together at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 20, where we read this. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding, for her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. So the first word we may be drawn to here, or what draws my attention, is this word find. Happy are those who find wisdom. The image is of discovering something that's always been there. <laughs> and we discover it by observing, by paying close attention to patterns. It's an invitation to practice the habit of slowing down, patiently, quietly, observing, listening. And that practice can help make visible what's true about reality that we can then apply as wisdom back to our own lives and practices and decisions. So the big idea I'm inviting us to explore today is that we can discover wisdom by paying attention to the rhythms of nature. And we're going to look at three examples. So patterns related to life itself, Patterns related to trees and patterns related to the rain, which is appropriate for this morning. <laughs> so we'll take these one by one and just see what we might discover. And then we'll conclude with a chance to practice applying this wisdom to ourselves. So we'll start off with this first idea that we encounter in our text from Proverbs that wisdom may be found by observing the rhythms of life itself. The author writes, long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. The idea is that wisdom both helps us live as full a human life as possible, and by observing the natural rhythms of life over long spans of time, 
we can discern wisdom, we can apply them back to our daily decisions. And an example of one of these rhythms is that life unfolds as a pattern of connection, disconnection, and reconnection. So think with me about this. Richard Rohr calls this order, disorder, and reorder. That all of life spirals continuously through these three phases. And wisdom suggests that something important is happening in each of these three phases. We need order, we need connection, sameness, in order to receive care and nourishment and safety. And we also need a, a bit of disorder, of disconnection, of differentiation, in order to grow as individuals. So notice with me that plants spiral through this life, death, resurrection every year. And we see the same pattern in human relationships and in the natural world all around us. Um, an example that comes to my mind is last spring, the neighbor kids uh, discovered a nest in my backyard and we used a mirror. It was too high up to see it without disturbing it. So we held a mirror above and we saw these four eggs. And so we checked them every day. <laughs> and we were very careful not to jostle the nest. Um, and then one day when we looked, the eggs had hatched and there were these tiny, scrawny, featherless baby birds with just really all we could see was their wide orange beaks sprung open, just they were perpetually hungry. And the parent birds would fly and tend to them and then go out and find food and fly back and feed them again. And one day I got home and I went out to check the nest and held the mirror up and there were only three babies in the nest and I panicked and so I looked around and sure enough on the ground at the foot of the tree was one of the babies that it was had feathers it was like well fed and round and healthy and it was just hopping around the foot of the tree so i just watched it the rest of the afternoon and i was prepared to scare off any predators any cats that might come by and uh sure enough eventually the parents came and hopped around it and then they would fly off and then they come back and hop around it and then eventually it's flapping, met with success, and it flew to a, a nearby branch, and then it flew off. And one by one over the next couple of days, all the other three baby birds did the same thing, and then they were gone, and the nest was empty from then on. This pattern of connection, disconnection, and reconnection, we see it throughout all of nature. It's also a hallmark of our own human relationships. The best of all relationships will spiral through these phases. And we're invited to notice that something important is happening in each of these phases of a relationship. This wisdom that we can observe from nature and in our own relational lives can help us not panic <laughs> like I did when the little bird was separated from its family. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Learning to appreciate and value each of these stages of connection and togetherness, being in the nest together and disconnection which may be stressful, 
and understanding that there is the possibility for reconnection. Those birds may return to the nest one day when they have babies of their own. Just trusting this rhythm is built into the natural way of things can bring us into greater peace in each of those stages. And this wisdom is really core to our Christian tradition. It's reflected in the story of Christ's birth and death and resurrection. This pattern teaches us to not fear the backward step. And that even when something metaphorical needs to die for a season, there's always the possibility of new life. We just may not know when or how or in what form. So thinking about this first observation, perhaps a question for us this week would be to reflect on our own relationships and where we have taken a meaningful, necessary backward step. It might be with a loved one or with a community or an idea or a practice, a way of understanding something or perhaps our relationship to our faith or our spirituality. And we might spend time reflecting on this question, with whom or in what relationship might I like someday to reconnect? So valuing what's happening in the season of disconnection and having an imagination for the possibility of continuing that spiral. And uh, I want to suggest to us, when we're in a season of disconnection, not to rush to take any action. (laughs) Don't pressure yourself to do anything. Uh, Just notice those places where we feel some desire, some wish to maybe reconnect one day in a different way. Connecting with that desire in us, it's a meaningful part of engaging the wisdom of this pattern that we find in all of nature and all good relationships that move through these phases. All right, so our text continues with this. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called happy. This brings us to the second idea we encounter in this passage, which is that wisdom may be found by observing the rhythm of trees. And one example of wisdom we can find by observing how trees grow is that individual trees grow thickest and tallest when their roots are intertwined. And their branches have to also have space to grow. So I didn't really have an imagination for this until a few years ago. We were holding a Vox Covenant member meeting, and it was online. We were in the middle of the pandemic. It was a painful season in the life of our community for many of us after the sudden loss of two of our pastors and close friends. And we were also grieving the death of a couple of beloved community members, Terry and Becky. And we were hurting, many of us. And in that covenant member meeting, Harmon spoke up and he talked about how heartbreaking it was also. Uh, He was just feeling very touched by the news of wildfires in California that were raging through the giant redwood forest. You may remember this. And they were threatening the survival of these ancient forests. And th- that threat felt devastating. But then Harmon mentioned that uh, he had been reading that the redwoods have bark over a foot thick, which is like, just imagine that. 
And so even when they're scorched on the outside, the inside remains vibrant and untouched. And I just, I was so moved by what he shared. And after the meeting, I looked up more about the giant redwoods. And you may know this, but it defies the laws of physics that redwoods can grow individually so tall and thick as they do without leaning or collapsing because they don't have a taproot that sinks down deep into the soil. But these trees rarely fall over. They weigh up to 500 tons and they stand 350 feet tall. They live for hundreds of years and yet their roots only go down about 10 feet. <laughs> they can withstand storms and wildfires and earthquakes and prolonged flooding because of how their root system is intertwined. So the trees grow very close together and they depend on each other underneath the soil for strength, for communication about threats, for shared nutrients. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her and those who hold her fast are called happy. Reflecting on this wisdom of how trees grow invites us to consider how we might root ourselves well in our communities while also ensuring that our branches have space to grow and stretch out. This wisdom is also reflected in the story of how Jesus was so connected to his closest friends. You have probably seen this meme that was going around the internet a while back that, that said, no one talks about the miracle of Jesus having 12 close friends after 30. <laughs> Jesus was deeply rooted in his community among his friends, and he also regularly took time away to be in solitude, to pray, to differentiate, to discern his own needs and path through life. And his ability to do both well helped him live as full a human life as possible. And it created this intimate community of friends whose roots were deeply intertwined so that after his death, for the rest of their lives, they supported and cared for one another as the body of Christ. After that covenant member meeting a few years ago, I commented so often on the, the Redwoods <laughs> that the next time Harmon visited the Pacific Coast, he brought back this photograph that he'd taken of the giant Redwoods, and he had it enlarged as a gift to me. It's about three feet tall, and it stands in the in my live. It's in my living room. It's the first thing you see when you walk in my front door. It reminds me of this wisdom that we can learn from trees, that we need space to individually grow and stretch within a deeply rooted community. So perhaps the second question for us this week might be to reflect on where we would like to deepen our roots. And let's also just notice together that it's always a risk to intertwine our lives with one another. It means we will influence each other. And we felt that when we lost those friends a few years ago, we were impacted by their presence and we were impacted by their absence. Intertwining means we come to matter deeply to each other in our joy and in our pain. And also there's wisdom in learning how to do that well and uh, noticing how it, allows us to withstand storms and floods and wildfires together. All right, our text concludes with this. 
The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, God established the heavens. By God's knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. This brings us to the third and final idea we encounter in this passage, that wisdom may be found by observing the patterns of the weather, the rhythms of the rain. And one example of wisdom we can discover by observing the rain is this pattern of impermanence. It's like a this too shall pass perspective. A deep inner knowing that no storm lasts forever. This piece of wisdom can perhaps help us connect with our inner patience when we're enduring a season of inclement weather (laughs) inside us. When our inner world is stormy, which uh, some of us may be feeling even here this morning. So welcome, you're in good company. When we are in pain or grief or fear or shame or uncertainty, when we are suffering, there is wisdom in appreciating that painful emotions are a part of a good life. And that something important may be happening in those stormy seasons. The rain is super unpleasant to expect. Oh my God, like I hate nothing more than to feel wet and cold at the same time. It's just super uncomfortable to experience. And also the rain is providing essential nutrients and hydration to the soil where we are planted. Uh, That's not to say that suffering is always good or necessary. Sometimes suffering is an indicator that something is very wrong, that an injustice has taken place, or that immediate help and attention is needed, that we're in crisis. And other times, painful emotions are part of the goodness of being human. And if we were to numb our ability to feel pain, we would also be numbing our ability to feel joy, because those capacities are intertwined. So let's notice together that what makes suffering feel intolerable in the moment is a function of time. We can endure anything for 12 seconds that we could never endure for 12 hours. We can endure anything for 12 days that we could never endure for 12 months or 12 years. And the difficulty with much of our suffering is that it feels as if it will last forever. We look into the future and we just can't see how it will end. And so we begin to think, this pain is my new normal. I will now feel this intolerable for the rest of my life. I will never feel joy or peace or love or hope or goodness again. And it's entirely normal to think that, to feel like it's utterly true. And this is one of the reasons why we need stories. (laughs) We need storytelling, books, movies, television, plays, operas, musicals, the stories of ancient scripture. These are all vehicles for reminding us that suffering doesn't last forever. And the wisdom we can learn by observing the rain is that there has always been movement on the earth between sunshine and storminess, back to sunshine again. How quickly or not quickly we cycle through those seasons may be altered by global warming. (laughs) And you know what that is? In the words of Kimberly from last week, that is a homily for another day. (laughs) But the wisdom of the rain is that no storm lasts forever. 
by God's knowledge, the deeps break open and the clouds drop down the dew, the rain. And this wisdom can help us connect with patience when we are enduring a stormy season inside us. Something important, nourishing even, may be happening. It's been said that heartbreak, weathered well, has the potential to grow and mature us on the inside. Um, And I love these words by Parker Palmer. Suffering breaks our hearts, but the heart can break in two ways. There's the brittle heart that breaks into shards, shattering the one who suffers as it explodes. And then there's the supple heart, the one that breaks open, not apart, the one that can grow into greater capacity for the many forms of love. So as we uh, move toward our closing, I, I want to invite us to remember this wisdom of the rain in the midst of heartbreak. And to when we're in that stormy season, just not to force anything too quickly, to appreciate something meaningful may be taking place So make no sudden moves, if possible. And instead, perhaps we together can learn to sit in the rain and feel the power of the storm and trust the sun will come. We may not know when, but no storm lasts forever. Uh, This wisdom is also reflected in Jesus' practice of nonviolent love toward himself in the midst of suffering, and we're going to practice some of this here in just a moment. But let's notice that Jesus experienced stormy emotions, and yet he didn't react to them. He expressed them. He cared well for himself. He withdrew. He meditated. He ate. He slept. He cried. And the weather changed. This is the wisdom we can find by observing the patterns of the rain. So in the spirit of that invitation, I'd like to close by offering us a practice together. It's from a book called Sitting Like a Frog by Aline Snell. And this meditation is called My Personal Weather Report. So I'll invite you to find a comfortable position. Perhaps close or half close your eyes if it's helpful. Take a moment to breathe slowly and gently scan your body, determining how you're feeling right now. What is the weather like inside you? Do you feel relaxed and sunny inside? Or does it feel rainy or overcast? Is there a storm raging, perhaps? What do you notice? Without really thinking too much about it, summon the weather report that best describes your feelings at the moment. Once you know how you are doing right now, just let it be, just as it is. There is no need to feel or do anything differently. You cannot change the weather outside either, can you? Stay close to this feeling for a while. Direct your friendly, curious attention to the clouds, the clear sky, or the storm that is brewing. 
this is how it is right now. Like the weather, you simply cannot change a mood. Later today, the weather will be completely different again. But right now, this is how things are. And that is absolutely fine. Moods change. They blow over. There is no need to take any action. What a relief. In the love of God of all wisdom, Christ, the embodied one, and the spirit who moves us toward life. Amen.